Are you ready to generate way more leads with way less struggle? I have great news for you. I'm now accepting new students into High Performance Agent Academy. Inside the Academy, you'll get eight months of customized support from me and get access to my entire playbook, sales, marketing, social media, systems, all of it ready for you to copy and paste right into your business. Check the show notes for the link to learn more. We start on May 1st. In today's episode, I'm going to break down for you how a down market can help you build a thriving, profitable business, even if it doesn't feel that way right now, because we have really shifted, in my humble opinion, from a market where skills mattered, (laughs) but homes were easy to sell, buyers were easy to come by, interest rates were really low, and now we are really in a skills-based market. And although it can be a little bit of a struggle, depending on what you're dealing with, It also creates an incredible opportunity for the future of your business. So tune in. Let's talk about it. Hey, my name's Tina Beliveau, and I am obsessed with all things real estate, growth, marketing, social media, technology, and team building. If you're an ambitious agent who's hungry to grow, work on your own terms, and build a thriving life outside of your business, this is the podcast for you. I got into real estate when I was 18 years old and grew my business from nothing through referrals and social media. And since then, I've built a top performing team and I've sold over 1,700 homes and $400 million in sales volume. In this podcast, I keep it real and I tell you exactly what I'm doing to sell tons of houses, lead my team, market my brand, grow my social following and database, and maintain incredible work-life balance. I'll never shy away from sharing my biggest mistakes as well as the juiciest parts of my secret sauce. Pull up a seat and get ready to learn and be inspired. This is the High Performance Agent Podcast with Tina Beliveau. Welcome back to the High Performance Agent Podcast. I am your host, Tina Beliveau, and I am here to talk with you today about why a down market might totally stink, but is also the opportunity of a lifetime to build a business that withstands the test of time and feeds you and your family and your success for the long haul. And this episode was inspired by a couple things, by the fact that the market has really shifted in our area, the Baltimore, Maryland area, really since almost a year ago when rates started to rise and things just started to cool down, get shaky, get weird. And it's funny, like I feel like these years, like these COVID and post-COVID years, every year it's, wait, like I always think things are going to get easier (laughs) and maybe they never do, but I feel like it's just gotten even tougher recently. So if you're feeling that way or even some aspect of that, I hope that this episode can give you a new perspective and some inspiration and direction on like where to take that frustration and use it as fuel to hone your skill set and build the client loyalty that I'm going to share with you today that is going to fuel your business for the long haul. I've actually been looking at the stats on this podcast. I have people from all over the country listening, some in Canada and then like a few people in Australia. What's up Australia? I love that. I have no idea what that's about, but very cool. So depending on where you are, your market might still be in like a a better, easier place than where we are. But what I'm seeing here in Maryland is what I would call full out gridlock. 
And it's this combination of the fact that prices are at an all-time high and interest rates are at an all-time high. And we have not seen prices really start to drop here at all. Maybe like a little bit, like 1% or 2%, depending on the neighborhood. But in a lot of areas, prices are still steady and or increasing. So what that gridlock looks like, and if you're in gridlock, you probably don't need me to describe it to you. (laughs) But there's three things that I'm seeing. Number one, it's just hard to buy now because the mortgage payment is really high or maybe even insane compared to what it would have been with the rates that we had a few years ago. So just buying power has decreased so much. That's number one. And then number two, this is like directly correlated to that, but it's hard if you currently own a home and you do have one of those sick like 2 or 3% interest rates. There, People don't want to move up into an even more expensive home and trade their 2 to 3% rate for a 6-something percent rate, depending on when you're listening to this. Maybe rates will be different, but they've been in like the mid-sixes for a good while up to this juncture. So it's really hard to be a move-up seller slash buyer right now, unless there are plenty of scenarios where it still makes sense and people are doing it. But what I'm seeing is that more people are just on hold than ever because the numbers just do not make nearly as much sense as they did one to three years ago. So basically, buying power is down. And then we've got the seller gridlock, which is creating even more of an inventory shortage. And that flows into the third point, which is so many people aren't selling that we still do have crazy low supply. Like in our market, it's hovering around one to two months of supply, depending on where you're looking specifically. So what that means is even though demand is down, there's still way more demand than supply. So we are still seeing bidding wars and buyers that are losing out over and over. So even with the high affordability issues, they're all, it's just hard to be the winning buyer. So it just, I don't know if you feel this way, but in my team, to some degree, we've felt a little bit like there's no relief in sight. I think that it's likely that the Fed could raise interest rates more through 2023, and we may not see any relief that's significant until 2024, and we just can't predict the future. So I think the unknown is just stressful, and depending on how much you read the news and what voices you're listening to, there are there's concerns about banking, there's concerns about are we going to have some level of recession, how high are rates going to have to get to cool inflation. I read a lot <laughs> and it's it's a double-edged sword because it's always like bad news because that's just how the news is, but I also find it really helpful to be informed and be able to like put things in context. So, I have no idea what the future holds. I'm hoping that 2024 we see lower mortgage interest rates and that things just open up more and that it's easier to buy and sell and then we see more inventory and everything just gets a little bit more normal. (laughs) Like that would be the ideal is to find a way to normalize. I think that will happen eventually. The only question is how long it's going to take. Are we looking at six months, 12 months, 18 months, several years of this? We don't know, which is why I feel like what I'm going to talk about today from like a mindset standpoint might help you because I've had to come back to my market shift mindset and revisit some of the lessons that I learned previously and then also try to impart those lessons to the people around me who I lead and mentor as well. In case you missed it, High Performance Agent Academy is officially open for new students and we start on May 1st. Do you feel frustrated by making slow progress, sick of your systems and CRM being a mess, 
lonely and tired of figuring out how to grow your business on your own? And are you ready for a breakthrough in your sales, marketing, and lead generation? First of all, you're not alone. I have been there and I've blazed the trail to solve all of those problems. I've assembled every single system, template, and marketing strategy I use so you can copy and paste them right into your business. If you're ready to transform everything about your real estate business, this is your golden opportunity. I will walk alongside you for the rest of 2024 and help you plug these systems directly into your business. And we will customize every element to your market, your brand, your voice, and your goals. High Performance Agent Academy starts on May 1st, and I don't want you to miss the boat. Head to the show notes to get the link or DM me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo, and I'll send you everything you need. See you in the Academy. So we're going to get into the solution in a second. But one thing that I also wanted to highlight is because depending on your market, like I look at the stats, we have a tool called Smart Charts that I have access to where I can pull up really easily stats about like how units are closed are trending up and down in any segment, whether it's a tiny neighborhood, a zip code, an entire city, you name it. So what I've been observing is that the number of units closed in our metro is down 50% compared to two to three years ago. There are literally 50% less homes transacting than like peak 2019-2020. And then the units have just been going down every year since then as the gridlock worsens. And that means a couple things. There When there are less listings to go around, there are less homes for our buyers to buy. There are probably less listings for you to list unless you're doing specific things to grow your listing business. But I think one of the impacts that that I've seen that people haven't been able to put a finger on is if you run a database-based business, it's possible that like 50% less people in your database are motivated and able to buy or sell right now compared to a couple years ago. I think that can definitely depend on the age and demographics of your database and how long you've been in the business. But if you're more established like me, you might have a lot of people that are already in their second home or maybe would have moved up or a lot of first-time buyers that would move up if the opportunity arose and that we're just in a little bit of that perfect storm with that demographic. For empty nesters who need to downsize, this is like a dream time to do as long as they don't mind maybe buying somewhere else at a peak price, but maybe they have a lot more equity. Maybe interest rates don't matter if they're going to buy with cash or a lot of cash elsewhere. But depending on the demographics of your business, you might be seeing a huge hit in the number of units that are just happening through the strategies that you normally deploy to you know, source, repeat, and referral business. And unless you're changing your lead generation activities to compensate for that, which is a great topic, not exactly where I'm going today. I think it's a very important topic as well as what can you do about that? What markets and networks can you tap into? I have some very tactical episodes that are out or coming out about things you can do with farming on Facebook and other stuff like that. So if you feel like you just need to do something about your lead gen, please do that. And then today I want to talk to you about mindset and skills. So I'm hearing this from a lot of agents where their business is down and they're even maybe just realizing how down it is, where it's like it's been a slowly then suddenly phenomenon. And then it has just been a bit of a psychological struggle to represent buyers lately, where it's been years of 
these competitive dynamics that aren't really letting up. Maybe they are a little bit in certain ways, but then, you know, the mortgage payments are coming in so much higher because of higher rates and clients just feel like they can't win. So it's a little demoralizing, I think. And I'm a very positive person, (laughs) but I think it's really tough and I'm seeing it everywhere. I'm seeing people joke about it on Instagram, all that kind of stuff. So what I've really drawn on is that this market shift has just brought me back to the first major shift that I lived and worked through. And there are a lot of parallels, like it's different reasons. Like I'm talking about the like 2008 and beyond period where that was where I really started building my business. Basically, I got my license in 2005. I was an assistant and part-time agent in college, graduated from college in 2007. And at that point, I didn't have much of a sphere. I was 21 and I had no lead generation skills or sales training whatsoever. I had just worked a few deals through very organic means and under the agent that I was mentored by. So I had no idea what I was doing, (laughs) which is kind of a whole other topic. But the market started to crash within a year of me going full time. So from 2008 to 2012, I weathered a market that looked different than what we're seeing right now. But this is what it looked like. Number one, prices kept going down every year. (laughs) It was like, oh, like just they kept going down. They didn't go up for a long time. And in Baltimore, the market bottomed out in 2012. So 08, 09, 10, 11, 12, like down. So that was the first thing. The second thing is that rates were ticking up, at least they were at first, and we were, I feel like in the sixes and fives a lot of the time, we were never in these like super low interest rates that we were seeing in the last couple years. So buyers were also dealing with higher interest rates than they were accustomed to, even though historically they're not that crazy. So that was the second thing. The third thing, which was the worst, is I had plenty of meetings with sellers who wanted to sell their homes, but they couldn't because... They had lost so much equity in their home that they were either underwater or it was completely unacceptable or made no sense to sell. So what my business looked like from 2008 to 2012 was that a lot of my listing appointments were just unpleasant conversations where I was giving them very bad news about their market value. A lot of the time, people were very blindsided. Either they just weren't in tune or denial is a very powerful thing, and I understand it. So I sat with a lot of people crushing their dreams, telling them that their house was worth less than they paid for it years ago. I had a lot of listing appointments that did not convert into a listing because the numbers simply didn't work for people to move. So that is the third thing that I dealt with. I forget how many, and I probably could have pre-qualified differently. I didn't really understand. No one had taught me to pre-qualify and find out people's equity before going on the appointment. But I will say a lot of those appointments, even though they weren't The most fun conversations were a lot of rapport building and a lot of relationship building. And many of those people called me back to list when market values changed. But I just I didn't have great conversion because we were in a declining market and it was not workable for people to sell the way things were going at that time. The fourth thing going on in the market at that time was we had a lot of foreclosures and short sales because people were underwater And they were either like abandoning their homes or couldn't afford to pay their mortgages or needed a short sell because they had lost so much equity. So that was just a whole new skill set for me to learn. All the ins and outs and foreclosures and short sales are related, but two very different things. Like at the time, the short sale industry was just becoming like a full out specialty. And there was a huge learning curve and like how to deal with them, how to get them closed, like hiring a negotiator, how many loans were there? Is there a pre-approved list price or not? 
if anyone was in this market, I'm probably bringing it all back for you. Like we just have no short sales in Baltimore right now. So it's just so rare to even have any of that come up. But back then you needed to know everything about it because of course your clients always wanted to go look at the short sales and the foreclosures, but then you had to explain to them all the implications of what they might be going through in order to maybe acquire the house. Maybe. That was another word I learned to use a lot. So those were the dynamics of that market shift, a little different. And it was easier in a way to represent buyers back then because there was a ton of inventory. They had a lot of choice, but the choice (laughs) created its own dynamics and challenges as well. And just the market dynamics overall. So like I would be showing homes to a buyer and they would ask me questions like, maybe it was 2009 or 10 and prices have been going down for several years. And they would say, what if prices keep going down? Should I wait to buy? And I had to figure out how to like ethically (laughs) answer that question and help people make the right decision because it's a valid question. And it's always a valid question with real estate. That's where I learned one of my like, I wouldn't even call it a script. It's a script just because I've said it so many times, but just helping people adopt a mindset that you should always buy real estate with a long-term plan. And if you can sell it in the short or midterm, you're lucky. And if buying it for the long-term, and when I say long-term, seven plus years, 10 years, if it doesn't make sense for you, then maybe you shouldn't. That's what I would do. That's, And I say, you may be comfortable with a way higher risk level, but think about that. So you have to think long-term. But people were always asking me like, should I wait? Should I wait? And I don't want to be responsible for making those decisions for people. So I had to learn how to teach them how to think and talk them through making their own decision that was right for them. Another issue that I came across, and I this is like probably annoying to hear now, but there were too many homes to choose from. It was like a conveyor belt of new inventory every single day. So for buyers, like there was no sense of urgency to pick something. And there was even maybe like a FOMO of what might else come around the corner and maybe something will be an even better deal. So that was a different kind of challenge. And then again, the foreclosure and short sale thing, people get so excited about them because they want a deal. But if you've been around, that they can be really tricky. They can have a lot of issues, tons of different kinds of issues, timing, loans, the viability of even getting to closing, property, condition, you name it. So I would have so many people reach out about or auctions. Like I'm sure you get like inquiries, right? Where people are like, what's up with this $20,000 house? And you're like, actually, (laughs) that's the starting price and it would have to be cash and you can't have a financing contingency and they won't let you inspect. And like an auction isn't maybe like the most risk averse way to buy and you may not even have the resources. Same thing with foreclosures and short sales. Like it got people excited, but I spent a lot of time like educating and then often like helping people figure out that maybe that wasn't the right kind of house for them to pursue. So those were the dynamics that I dealt with. They were different, but those hard times made me into such a strong realtor from like a skill set and educational level of like how much I know about the intricacy of homes, loans, markets stats, analytics, you name it. And those things that I worked through and learned how to navigate made me so good, which is what enabled me to build a team and have such long-term client loyalty because I became such a pro. And my clients knew that and they respected me and trusted me And that became the foundation that has made everything else in my business life and financial life possible was working through that. So what I want to say is these hard times look different than those hard times, but they will benefit you too. 
And there were some really key lessons I learned in that down market that still apply today. I wrote them down, five key lessons (laughs) that I learned through that process. Number one, I got really good at pricing listings correctly from day one at the initial consultation or listing appointment, whatever you like to call it. So that is just as important now as it was then. And I think it's just as tricky now as it was then because the market has been so unpredictable and you do see bidding wars and homes going for numbers that don't, that actually boggle the mind. So it can be hard to figure out what the starting price should be. (laughs) In a declining market, it's a little different because you like overpricing is, it's never good to overprice, but It can be extremely dangerous in a declining market because you really could end up chasing the market down in a terrible way or maybe even never sell the house. But the bottom line is no matter what the market's doing, like an overpriced listing is the worst thing to experience. The house doesn't sell. Your seller hates you. You feel, I'll speak for myself, I feel like a loser when I can't get a listing sold. And it's a bad look when your sign is in the yard for a thousand years. People are whispering about why you can't sell the house and someone's complaining that no one's cut the grass for months because the sellers moved out and they're mad that you're not also their property manager. Like It is such a lose-lose situation (laughs) for everyone to have an overpriced listing. And most importantly, your client never gets premium value by not being positioned correctly from day one. So tough markets, if you take the time to build your skill, you will learn how to price listings correctly from day one and have a raving fan seller and secure those referrals and the repeat business and the loyalty for the future. So that is the first skill that I feel really, really important. And you might be sitting and having different conversations where sellers are always disappointed, right? When we tell them what we think their house is worth, they always want a little more than is realistic. It's just very human. And I think buyers too, they always hope their budget is going to buy them a little more than what it really does. It's just basic psychology of, I guess, just wanting a little bit of what you can't have. But getting really good at pricing listings and estimating properly and analyzing really well and then counseling your client into kind of coming around to that, you can have success story after success story. And those success stories, it's so many different things, right? Like you have a low average days on market in the MLS. People come to know you reputationally as someone who gets it done. Your sellers love you, even if they have a little moment at the listing appointment about, oh man, do we really need to start that low? And then they get the result. And then they're like, oh, I get it now. And I'm glad I trusted you. And they don't, people don't forget when you do things like that for them. And that is what really creates that foundation for the long-term loyalty and the repeat and the referrals. And I know that I'm beating a dead horse with this, but like I think that's important is like when you have those hard conversations once at the beginning, set the stage so that you can represent someone at a really high, incredible level, and then you prove it to them, (laughs) they don't forget it. And they remember it and they tell people and they refer you. So that's number one is pricing your listings correctly in a tricky market. It just, you level up. There's less room for error, but that makes you better. And then similarly, point number two is that I got really good at having hard conversations with my clients, buyers and sellers, But specifically at that time with sellers, as far as like the expectations and market values and all of that, and I got really good at getting price reductions because in a declining market and or when you're just newer to the listing game, there are so many pitfalls with getting homes priced right from the beginning and maybe really wanting the listing and taking it on knowing that they're not going to hire you if you don't come around or you think they won't hire you if you don't come around to the price they want and all of that. So like, there's so much that goes into that dynamically of 
learning how to have these conversations and getting people on board at what I call the sweet spot list praise. (laughs) And this was one of my most unpleasant learning curves. Like I remember, I can't tell you what year it was, but it must have been in that 10, 11, 12 timeframe where I was starting to have more listings. And I remember I had like several stale listings, like all sitting on the market at the same time. And I remember being in my laundry room, talking to my business coach and her just breaking it down for me that I needed to go and talk to every single seller and get a price reduction by the next day. And what that led to was actually me creating like a system and a process and a set of expectations about price reductions. And I don't have time to break that all down in the podcast, but I basically adopted a policy of teeing people up for future price reductions at the listing appointment, at the time of signing the listing agreement, through a document that explained it to them, in a welcome email when their house went on the market, <laughs> setting the stage that we might need to make an adjustment if we you know, have two weeks or 10 showings that go by without any offers. And then I started calling my active sellers every Tuesday until they were under contract to review showings feedback and ask for a price reduction either every week or every other week, depending on kind of what was going on. So I basically just became a hardened (laughs) veteran to just helping people understand that the sooner we were priced right, the better off they would be. And I I believe that in all of my heart for almost all types of listings, except something maybe like super luxury or super unique. But in general, at least in the kind of market that I work in, price is everything. Showing condition, market positioning, staging, all of that matters. I'm assuming all of that's been handled. And then the only issue is price. And if not, those are some other skill sets to really work on to set your listings up for success and or price them accordingly. So having hard conversations, the sooner, (laughs) I'm going to laugh, the sooner you can become dead inside, the better. (laughs) Not really, because I'm a big believer in empathy. But the sooner you just get used to giving people bad news, but in a way where they can hear it and understand it and understand the impact of not taking your advice and the possible downsides they will experience if they're unwilling to listen. Like a mentor of mine always used to say, teaching people how to think. I can tell you that your house is only worth X and deal with it. Or I can say, listen, your house is only worth X. And I know that's really disappointing to you. And I would love, there's nothing I would love more than to just excite you right now. But here's the downside. If we don't price at this sweet spot, here are some of the things that you're going to experience. And then I outline all the things that happen when you overprice a listing, like keeping it show ready day after day, (laughs) the uncertainty, the anger, the annoyance at the feedback you get. Like I really help people walk through and understand the future pain they will experience versus feeling a little bit of pain right now, making a different decision than they think they want. That's what I, in my experience, like for me, that's what teaching people to think, look how to think looks like and sounds like. And then they're at least empowered to make a better decision than they would have if I just said, 380 is the number, just trust me. I think that's hard. I think that's hard to accept. But when someone can paint a picture of the impacts of going a different way, there you have a chance. So hard conversations are everything. Number three, I got really good at having detailed buyer consultations to refine my buyer's criteria to help them not see more homes than they really needed to. And to and, and back in that day, it was more about keeping them from seeing homes forever and ever and just using showings as like a way to refine their criteria versus just doing it through conversation and planning and strategy from the outset. We're in such a different kind of market now where I think there's two things that are so important in buyer consultations. 
Number one, it is to get their criteria really clear so that you do only show them homes that make sense and then you're not wasting your time in theirs. And the other is so much more education and planning around market dynamics and being more involved than you ever needed to be, perhaps, on the details of their mortgage strategy so that they can maybe be competitive and maybe can do an appraisal waiver or can find a way to swing it without closing help. Like You can't skip over that stuff because it's going to bite you, and you guys know this, (laughs) but basically way more time on the front end to have everything in order from a financial standpoint and then educating them about how competitive it is and what they're going to need to do when they do find the right house and that it is going to be faster than they want to decide and that they don't have to decide fast, but it's going to be fast every time and really helping people understand what is about to happen so that when it does happen, you've prepared them and they are in a position to either move forward or at least know that you tried to warn them and then pivot accordingly if they're not ready to make an offer or aren't ready to like make those really competitive, bold moves that you often need to make to be the winning buyer. At least you've done your your duty <laughs> of really advising them and people can recognize that. So I think detailed buyer consultations are critical and depending on market dynamics, what you need to deep dive on up front will vary. That's what I'm seeing right now. The fourth thing is in that declining market, I got really good at really understanding a deep level of detail and information and insight to coach my buyers through making the right decisions for themselves, educating them, truly, really educating them in a big way and earning their loyalty for life. So back then, This is, I think this is actually a great skill to have as a realtor. I got really good at estimating mortgage payments on the fly because I find when I'm inside a house with someone, the monthly payment can help ground them in the decision more than the house price tag. With today's interest rates, it may or may not be as helpful, but helping people say, you know what, this is going to be $2,800 a month, just so you know, like when people are all caught up on some other thing, like bringing it back to, does this work in the monthly budget that you set out? And it's just helpful because then you it's good to know what kind of loan program they have, what kind of down payment they're putting down. All of that needs to go in your contract anyway. That kind of stuff, just grounding people in logic instead of emotion helps them make decisions. And as a corollary to that, like I memorized all the property tax rates in my market so I could give them proper estimates on the fly. I knew about every grant, every tax credit, every specialty loan program under the sun so that I could educate them and get them the best value possible because there are so many nuanced programs depending on like your area and your city. Baltimore City has so many grants and tax credits and home buyer incentives. And if you don't know that stuff, like you're totally doing your client a disservice. Maybe you're in a really rural area and you need to know all the ins and outs of USDA loans and what a great opportunity those are. So I think the more that you know, the better. And I just learned by experience, but also being really willing to research, deep dive, have phone calls, absorb information, and then articulate that back to my clients, which earned me so much trust and good regard. I know every school zone in town. I know the exact neighborhood lines. Like Just becoming a walking encyclopedia (laughs) is huge. And one of the best ways that I did that was by paying really close attention at every home inspection that I attended. I became such an expert in house systems and nuances. Depending on your market and housing stock, this may be a way less essential part of your job. But in Baltimore City, the homes are old. They're old. They're built in 1900, maybe older. 
And there are so many, there were so many issues that I would run into with first time buyers, especially where we would do the inspection and it was like galvanized steel plumbing with bad water pressure, knob and tube wiring. You may not even know what that is. Sewer lines that are just like caving in on themselves, asbestos and different kinds of asbestos. And there's so much. And again, like I'm not a lender. I'm not a home inspector. I believe that the role of a realtor is to be like a generalist and be able to at least call out possible problems and also educate people before they make an offer. And what I found was when I became such an expert on like house details, I was able to prep my clients before they went under contract to really understand what they were getting into. So by the time we got to the home inspection, I, there were always things that I, I'm not a home inspector, but like I had flagged that it looked like none of the wiring was grounded. They, I would prevent people from being blown away by things that they hadn't even thought about before we made an offer. It helped me not have nearly as many deals fall through, and it prevented my clients from wasting time and money on homes that they were never going to buy once they understood the maintenance or the expense needed to get it to their comfort level. So I feel like saving people from themselves and protecting them from information they just don't have but I have is a really valuable thing that we can do as expert agents. So that was the fourth thing is just really absorbing so much information about loans, school zones, details, house issues, and being able to just be a really strong resource for people and not just a door opener. And then that all flows into my fifth point. Like everything I just said is I worked my butt off for my clients and they knew it. And what that meant is I garnered the most incredible client respect, trust, and loyalty. And that has fueled my business every day since then. And that level of loyalty is really why my business started to skyrocket. I'm talking about this 2008 through 2012 period, like towards the end of 2012. That was when I I think I brought on my first full-time assistant. I'd had part-time support before that, which helped me grow my business even more. And then eventually I brought on a buyer's agent. And then I actually stopped working with buyers cold turkey and gave all of my buyer business to her. And then I doubled down on my listing business and I doubled my listing business the first year that I had a buyer's agent. And I grew my business from 15 million in sales volume to almost 50 million in sales volume between 2013 and 2015 at a very low average sale price, by the way, like the high 200s, nothing luxury like (laughs) at that phase of my business. So everything I discussed today was the starting point for that. And you can fight me on this, but I do not believe that you can build a thriving, profitable team if you don't have an abundant overflow of too many leads. And the way you have an abundant overflow of too many leads is to be really good at generating leads. And there's a lot of ways to do it. But what I just outlined for you is how I did it. I got really good at my job. I took really good care of my clients. I gave them the best counsel I could. I went above and beyond to inform and protect them. And they rewarded me with referrals and loyalty. So that is how there's a lot of things that went into building a $50 million team. But the first thing is that I had an abundant overflow of leads and I had the reputation and the knowledge to back that up and hire people who also trusted and respected me to care for them and teach them how to have that same kind of success. And I have a track record of helping other agents who've been on my team and are no longer on my team become very successful. And That's a testament to the hard work they did and the fact that like, I really poured into the people who have worked for me with everything that I'm telling you today. And if you're really interested in the team building topic, I have another three-part episode series coming out about team building. So make sure to subscribe and get all that good stuff. So just to recap, we are now in a skills-based market more than we were in the last couple years. Skills always matter, but they really matter at a time like this. 
And then mindset matters. So I would just encourage you to embrace this opportunity to build your skills. And it, it is not fun when things are harder and more work than they were before. That stinks. When the market changes, we have to change our tactics and our skills. But I will tell you this, the faster you build your skills and put systems in place, the faster you will get out of a pain place. And then you can move into an acceptance place and then put yourself on the path to thriving the way that you really want and just moving forward. And again, I think a lot of what I outlined for you actually became a system. A lot of it I documented and turned into forms and educational resources and ultimately, it saved me a lot of time and energy to go through these learning curves and then put the systems in place that enabled me and my team members and my clients to have success and get what they needed. So to summarize, this is an opportunity to increase your skills with pricing listings to sell, having tough conversations, getting price reductions when you need to, leading very thorough, powerful buyer consultations that educate your buyers and set them up for success before they go into the jungle of bidding wars learning and absorbing every detail under the sun to represent your clients, especially your buyers, really well with all the things I outlined. And then most importantly, all of that leading to building that loyalty and that long-term database that will refer you and trust you for the rest of your career. And isn't that worth it in the end? Again, thanks for hanging out with me, and I look forward to chatting with you in the next episode. Would love your feedback if you have any thoughts from today's episode. And if this inspired or comforted you in some way, I would love to hear that too. Thanks, guys. I hope you enjoyed this episode of the High Performance Agent Podcast. Make sure to subscribe by hitting the follow button so you don't miss the next episode. And check the show notes for links to all of my goodies, including my newsletter filled with tips for ambitious agents. You can also find me on Instagram at Tina Bellavo. Talk to you soon.